Hello, this is David Sangster, lead pastor at New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired. Enjoy the message. Brand new series that I am very excited about. The lyrics of Christmas. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah? Okay. I used to hear, I'm used to having the in-ears in it. I can hear it real loud. Now I'm deaf. And today, we're going to open up this series with a, uh, one of the songs of Christmas. And John is going to do a solo today. Go ahead, John. No, I'm just kidding. He's like, no. <laughs> he didn't know this. I can prompt to. Come on, work with me here. <laughs> Sorry, John. Um, today, we're going to talk about Mary's song. Mary's song. And the big idea for today's message is God's kingdom is for everyone, not just the elite. Okay? God's kingdom is for everyone, not just the elite. I want to talk about the look. The look. You know the look. The one your mom gives you where she doesn't have to say a thing, no words come out of her mouth, but everything is communicated in that look. You know what a look is. It's something between, there's, there's four aspects that I've observed from the look. One is a little cock of the head. Then one eyebrow goes up. And then there's a kind of little, little bit of like a, one eye, like, like the eyebrow goes up and the eyes squint. And if you really mean it, moms, you do this. Now, I can't do it so good because I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not I'm not a mom. But is there anybody, moms, give me your best look. And men, why can't I focus? There we go. And men, we love the look so much. It makes us feel so comfortable and secure that we marry Somebody who can do the look. You know what we're talking about? The mom knows the look. The, you know, kid, get off, the, get off the computers and go make your bed. Oh, but mom. Okay. Moms, if you have not incorporated the look into your repertoire, then you are missing out. My wife can do the look. Guys, we know it. Honey, you really need to go out that lawn. It's like a jungle out there. But I want to watch the game. Okay, honey, I'll go do the lawn. Yes, we know the look. The look is vitally important. Why am I talking about this? Because Jesus had a mom. And I'm going to show you textual evidence today. Textual evidence that even Jesus got the look. You ready for this? John 2, 1 through 5. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have run out of wine. And Jesus said to his mom, woman, If Lincoln ever did that to my wife, 
See, the thing about the, the look, ladies, is that sometimes it's got to be backed up with some action. You heard stories about my mom. There was a little bit of, like, holy fear of Pat Sankster out there. You know, when I got the arms crossed look, I knew there's just there's a hair's breadth between mom's love and mom's crazy. Okay? So think about that when we read this. Woman, <laughs> what does it have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And here's the textual. You see, it's not, it's not spoken, so here it is. The, the, the gospel writers couldn't put it in because it's not spoken. But it was there. Because we know this, because the very next thing that's said is this. His mother didn't say anything to Jesus about this. She just turned and spoke to the servants. Do whatever he tells you. We all, we all knew he was going to do it, right? And he did it. He did it. Oh, okay. All right, Mom, I'll go mow the lawn. You know, I'll do the miracle. You know, uh, she got, she, he, even Jesus got the look. Mary. We talk about Mary in this very in, in holy way, don't we? And I, and I think that's appropriate in many, many ways. Because obviously she was a very special person. But, <laughs> but she was a mom, she was a hard worker, and I guarantee she knew the look, like every good <laughs> mom does. All right? Today we're going to talk about Mary's song. Let's, would you guys like a little bit of background information on Mary? I did a little research. Mary was a young girl, teenage girl, someone who wouldn't have met, uh, mattered much in her culture. Yet God chose her to carry the Savior of the world. In a culture that marginalized young women and women in general, she was chosen. Um, where was she from? Well, Mary, uh, Jesus' mother, was probably born in Nazareth during the reign of Herod the Great, a reign that lasted from 37 B.C. to 4 B.C. Okay? She mostly, most likely spoke Aramaic with a Galilean accent, because people from Nazareth had a particular accent. It's like going over to, into New Jersey. <laughs> it's really not that far, but whoa, <laughs> you know, or, 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 or Boston. In fact, the car. My, I, <laughs> I had a, a teacher who was, had a very thick Bostonian accent, and it was the fun, the, we as, as fifth graders thought it was the most hilarious thing, and you'll, you'll be able to relate to this, the most hilarious thing in the world, because every time she wanted to throw a party, she would tell us, hey, kids, we're going to have a party. She said, party. Say it again, say it again. Party. Right? It was just one of those things. But she had an accent, a, a Galilean accent, and, they, and this is even spoken about in the Gospels, where his disciples were, were singled out as being from Galilee because of the way they spoke, okay? So she had an accent. Um, she had a contact with a multilingual world where the soldiers spoke Latin, Greek was the language of business and education, and Hebrew was the language of Jewish religious life. She was part of the peasantry, which includes skilled 
um, tradespeople, includes skilled tradespeople. But this was interesting about the, the peasantry of the time. They faced a triple tax burden, kind of like living in Connecticut. We're part of the peasantry, apparently. Uh, faced a triple tax burden to Rome, to Herod, and to the temple. They, they, the peasantry owed all those. A typical family house consisted of three or four adjoined houses around a courtyard. Okay? Think of like the Amish generation homes where all the houses are connected. And they would share the different things. Uh, it, they would share the oven, a cistern of water, a millstone for grinding grain, and they also would have uh, shared domestic animals. Mary would have spent most of her time doing household work, including strenuous physical labor. Okay? So we're talking about a teenage girl who was part of the peasantry who was a hard worker. And I look around this room, and I don't know about the peasantry part, but I see a lot of ladies that can relate to that. Hardworking, good women. Thank you, ladies, for being such awesome Women are amazing. Um, listen to this. This probably you can't relate to. Mary would have been married as early as 13. Let's hope you can't relate to that. Um, early, in order to maximize childbearing years. Because their value, honestly, their value was in how many kids they could. Mary lived with Joseph, Jesus, and also James and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, her other children, along with his sisters who are not named in the Bible. <laughs> the girls. She was a tough woman, capable of working, uh, walking the hill country of Judea while pregnant. Okay, can we just stop there for a second? I've done this before, but ladies, you're amazing. Honestly, if it was left to men, see, this is the thing. A woman, and this is why they can give the look so effectively, because it's like, I brought you into this world. I gave my, see, the only women could, could go through labor, give their blood, their sweat, and their tears to something, and then instantaneously love it. If us guys had to do it, like, I'm sorry, I'm done. You know, guys would be like, yeah, we're done. The idea is that, that's why the look is so important. I brought you into this world. And if it's my mom, she's like, I will hit you with my purse. She was able to walk the Judean hillside while pregnant. She gave birth in a stable. She made four or five, um, a four or five day journey to Jerusalem. Once or sometimes twice a year. That's a long journey on foot. When's the last time you traveled a five-day journey on your feet? The other day I was putting uh, uh, some directions into the Google Maps, you know, to, to find a, get somewhere because we've all lost how to, the ability to get places without looking at the maps. We used to be able to find places just because, you know, we were guys. And the ladies went. But the... Uh, now we can't even get to, like, the grocery store. I've got to put it into the GPS, you know. Uh, I put in, it into the GPS, and it was like, this route will take you 
four days. And apparently it was on the walk one. It took, you know, it took me just a few minutes. It would have taken a lot longer on the walk. But five-day walk? People were awesome. They were tough. He slept outside and engaged in daily hard labor at home. She was probably illiterate since women rarely learn to read and write during this time, which is not super uncommon because of the transmission of information through oral tradition at that point. Writing was not as uh, common as is today. She was taught to expect the promised Messiah. As a Jew, she had been learning about biblical prophecy her entire life. She became part of that fulfillment of God's ultimate plan when the angel declared in Luke chapter 1, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will, bring, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So this little girl who had learned about this her entire life now is dead center in the middle of, a, of the, one of the greatest miracles of all time. The prophet Isaiah foretold that a woman such as Mary would emerge one day to give birth to Israel's wished-for child, their Savior. Isaiah 7.14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and, he will be, and you will call him Emmanuel. It is obvious, just obvious, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, loved God and wanted to serve him with all of her heart because Luke tells us that the angel declared, Mary, you have found favor with God. I don't care if you're a woman, you're a man, you're you're a boy or a girl in this room today. That should be one of our ultimate goals. To find favor with God. Think about the miracles that can be done in and through someone who finds favor with God. Life-changing, world-altering things can be done when the Holy Spirit recognizes someone who is favored of God. She is then told that she will become a mother of Emmanuel. She will be the virgin to conceive. Okay, now this will, this will just kind of, I mean, we, we know this story because it comes around every Christmas. We know it. We kind of gloss over this. But this is not normal. <laughs> this is not a normal thing. This is a big deal. And if you were hearing that for the very first time, you probably, I know I would, probably have some problems or issues with that. And Mary, to, 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 to her credit, she did ask, how is this possible? You know, the angels explained it to her. But then she says this, like right, in the, right at the beginning here. I am the Lord's servant. May your words to me be fulfilled. 
God still asks people to do some weird things. Some things that take us out of our comfort zones. Some things that we just wouldn't naturally do on our own. He might ask you to do something like that. And, and it's okay to clarify the question. God, is, is this really something? I mean, I don't understand how this is going to happen. And he might tell you the answer. He may not. But will our answer be your will? May it be done to me as you have said. I don't have to understand it all. I just know who is calling me. It's important stuff. This is the life of Mary. The very next word, so right after that, so not only is she accepting of it, but the very next words recorded by Luke is Mary saying, which Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer describes as the oldest hymn, the oldest Advent hymn of all time, the Magnificent, okay, is Luke chapter 1. That's our major, major text today. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 46. This is Mary very shortly after the angel asked her, they told her that this crazy thing was going to happen. He said, okay. But not only is she accepting of it, Look at what she says. And Mary said, verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord. Stop. Just stop there for one second. Think of the implications of what is about to happen. And I'm not talking the spiritual ones. I'm talking the natural ones. She is going to be pregnant and everybody's going to know it. I don't care how many times do you try to use that excuse? Well, <laughs> the Holy Spirit came upon me. They are not going to believe it because that's not normal. This meant ostracization, ostriches? No, being ostracized. This means, not ostriches, uh, ostracized. This means, um, in many ways, it means spiritual Excommunication. If, 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 if Joseph had not done what Joseph did, it would have meant excommunication from the community. It could have even meant stoning. Now, I think Mary had a good idea that this wouldn't happen because she's carrying the Son of God, but she didn't know. This is a big deal. And what did she say? <laughs> she trusts God and she gets excited. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble, humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Except for her own. Think about that. The one that she lived in killed her son, probably ostracized her from society. But from now on, it's going to be awesome, <laughs> going to be blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones 
and exalted those of humble estate. Jesus came for all of us, not just the elite. For all of us. In fact, we'll get it to later. <laughs> 53, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to those offspring forever, and to his offspring forever. There are so many things in here. Humble estate, his mercy for those who fear him, He has scattered the proud, brought down the mighty, humble estate again, filled the hungry, the rich he has sent away empty. There's a theme here that we would do well to acknowledge. Isn't it bizarre that the things we go after so hard in this life are the opposite of what makes a person great in God's eyes. Think about that. We spend so much time and energy going after all these things that Mary's song says God doesn't even care about. What if we took that time and put it towards things that God cares about so that we could find favor in the eyes of God? What could happen What miracles would be done in and through people who align themselves with what God says is important? Jesus, whoa, my notes just went crazy. Jesus was born in a stable to a teenage girl and placed in a feeding trough. His humble birth illustrates his ministry to those who are not powerful. James 4, 6, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I'm sure you've heard the quote, before you judge someone, walk a mile in their shoes. You ever hear that quote? Before you judge somebody, walk a mile in their shoes. Jesus did more than that. He walked 30 years in our shoes. He had a great mom. But in all of history, Jesus is the only one who has been able to choose his biological mother. Think about that for a second. In all of human history, Jesus, Yeshua, is the only one who has ever been able to choose his biological mother. Kind of neat. I wonder if we had that choice, what would be high in our priority list. Jesus saw Mary in her lowly estate and said, I want her to be my mom. She found favor with me and I want her to be my mom. It's pretty cool. In his wisdom, he chose to be born into a stable instead of a palace, into a working class instead of to the elite. Character was more important than status. Oh, write that down. 
Character is more important than status. Philippians 2, 7 through 8. This is talking about Jesus. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He emptied himself. It's interesting to me what we spend our time on. Our effort, our blood, our sweat, and our tears pursuing some uh, seem to be the completely unimportant to Jesus. Just, 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 think, just, just think about that for a second. How much time, blood, sweat, and tears do you put into things that Jesus might actually think are completely unimportant? It's a really good thing to think about to focus on this Christmas. I mean, even Charlie Brown knew it, that this holiday is getting too commercial. It took Linus, given the message of Christmas, for him to find that silly little Christmas tree. What What do we put our time and our life into? Does it have eternal value? Is it what God would think, Jesus would think is important? In moments of difficulty, in moments of difficulty, we can be comforted knowing that God understands what it's like to, be, to experience the same type of pain, the same type of difficulty, the same type of circumstances that we deal with ourselves. What you're going through, he was touched with. He's walked many, many, many miles in your shoes, in our shoes. What are you going through today? Ever think of that? Maybe that something that you're going through today might be a direct result of bad priorities. Ooh, well, that hit home. I'm talking about me. Maybe some of the things that we're struggling with are because we have a, a, a warped sense of what is important. When Jesus chose his mom, he chose a peasant woman from the hills of Galilee. He was born in a stable. I know that's trotting out old information, but just think about it for a second. The fact of the matter is that he didn't have to. The only one in history who didn't have to. He he chose to. To identify with common, everyday people. We'll get into some more songs in the next few weeks. It's going to be great. But the idea is this. Jesus felt the things that you feel, even the look. I can't do it right, so I'm not a mom. He doesn't just look out for the elite. He identifies with the everyman. With every woman, like his mom. So much so that when he taught, he said things like this, Matthew 5. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled and shall be satisfied. Seven. Blessed are the merciful, for they will, see, will, will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. That's Mary right there, folks. And she got exactly what this verse says. <laughs> Literally. For they shall be called sons of God. Uh, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Jesus was called that. He was a peacemaker. We should be like Jesus, therefore we should be peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. What? I don't want that. Let's just erase that one. No. It's exactly what happened to Mary. Right? Think about what happened to Mary right after she became pregnant with Jesus. Blessed are those who are reviled and persecuted and utter kinds of evil against you falsely for your, on my account. <laughs> That's exactly what happened to Mary. Rejoice like Mary. Be exceedingly glad for your reward in heaven is great. And I believe Mary's reward in heaven is great. When Jesus talks about those who are great in the kingdom, they resemble very closely Jesus' mom. Think about that. If you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, we've got to shift our priorities. We need to be lowly of heart willing to accept God's call in our lives. It's not about what this world says it's about. We should resemble in many ways that 13-year-old girl. Oh, so young. How old are you, 10? Okay, stay that way. Love you, kiddo. It's a great reminder today to think about what we strive for. Is it something that God can look down on and say, that's good. Ah, look at that. Or is it things that, I mean, he might not even chastise you for it. He might not be, you know, Winslow, what the heck? What's going on, man? He just might go to us and say, like, yeah, so? That's not important. Why? I don't know why you spent so much time doing that. Whatever. That's just not important to me. Why'd you, spend, why'd you waste so much time? I don't want to be that. I want to put my life towards what God thinks is important. I want, him to, I want to find favor in the eyes of God. When we do that, imagine what God can do in and through a person who's wholly consecrated to him. Then, oh, wait a minute, hold on a second. Now, now the church starts making sense now because when I do that, right, and then, and then, and then you do that, 
And then God can do great things in me, and then God can do great things. And then we synergize with one another, and, and God can do greater things with two of us. Than, oh, and then, and then we bring back over here. This guy over here is doing it, and this lady over here is doing it. And we're, we're coming together, and, we're, and God's working in and through individuals, and then together doing great things. And the church starts to become what the church was always meant to be. Powerful. It's powerful. And God wants to. He wants to do it. It's not, a, it's not a lack of desire on his part, trust me. It's a, it's a priorities issue on our part. Moms, thanks for being so great. Practice that, practice that look. Practice that look, okay? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. Practice the look. Next time you get to look, you're not supposed to laugh at your mom. She's trying hard. He is like, I know the look, trust me. Lord, thank you for this time. God, thank you for this family, this body, this church. Lord, I love the joy that comes with being together, learning from you, taking the scriptures and just picking them apart and seeing all the great things, the gems that come out of it. Lord, I love worshiping you in song. Lord, help us not to leave this place and, it have, to, and have it be an event that we attended. Lord, help it to be something that we take with us. Help us to think this week about where our priorities are. Lord, you want to use us. You want to fill us. You want us to have abundant lives. Lord, I pray that we would get on that same page with you. That we would put into our lives the things that you feel are important and start getting rid of the stuff that is just a waste. Lord, identify a few things in each of our hearts today that we could do more of that we could get more involved in, that we could prioritize more, and a few things in our lives that we could do without, that have distracted us, that have taken away from us. So Lord, I ask you, just by your Holy Spirit, to illuminate our hearts today and help us to be people that are highly favored of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Merry Christmas. Same time, same station next week. Okay, listen. Baptism next week. So carve out like an extra half hour of your day next week to stick around to witness the baptism. It's going to be a great, great time. We're going to put them in an inflatable hot tub. Never thought you'd get in an inflatable hot tub with your pastor, would you? So God bless you. Have a great week. <laughs>